Let's now turn to the book of Ephesians, and we'll read Ephesians 5, beginning at verse 17 through 24. Therefore, do not be unwise, but understand what the will of the Lord is. And do not be drunk with wine, in which is dissipation, but be filled with the Spirit, speaking to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord, giving thanks always for all things to God the Father, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, submitting to one another in the fear of God. Wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord, for the husband is head of the wife, as also Christ is head of the church, and he is the Savior of the body. Therefore, just as the church is subject to Christ, so let the wives be to their own husbands in everything. Congregation of our Lord Jesus Christ, tonight uh, we are considering uh, the second uh, message or sermon on verses 22 through 24 under the theme, God calls Christian wives to submit to their own husbands. And last time we Consider those first two points in our bulletin. Wives, submit to your own husbands. Uh, wives, submit in respect for God's appointment. And then this evening we'll consider the next two. Wives, submit in the service to the Lord. And wives, submit according to the pattern of the church. And it occurred to me as I read through uh, this theme and outline, that's a lot of submission. Uh, five times we read this word, submit. And... uh this evening, we want to give more attention to what this submission actually means. In verse 17, we hear God's summons to, to understand what the will of the Lord is. Well, how are we to understand the will of the Lord with respect to this matter before us? Now, the word that's uh, translated submit actually uh, in, in many um Versions and many Greek manuscripts, the word's not even repeated in verse 22. It just kind of picks up on that word as it is given in verse 21. Submitting to one another in the fear of God, wives to your own husbands. Some of you may even have translations with you that follow that. But the word submit means uh, to line up under. In the way soldiers would line up under or, or behind a general, for example. And we also saw last time that as Christ is head of the church, so the headship of the husband does involve the idea of authority and, uh, and leadership. And to be subject um, also involves the idea of obedience. I, I checked a previous um, form in our uh, Psalter hymnal, the form for marriage, and... Uh, Notice that there in the the vows that uh, the bride makes on her wedding day, she promises to love, honor, and obey her husband. And in our current rendering of uh, that form, the language is love, honor, and submit to. Well, that's not watering down the meaning of that word. In fact, the word obey is found in some translations in, in Titus 2, where uh, the older women are to teach the younger women to love their their children, their husbands, to obe be obedient to their husbands. And so the idea of, of obedience and submission, they're closely associated together 
in the various translations of the word here. Um, now, as we as we hear these words of our text, I think that an inclination, perhaps even our first reaction or our instinct, might be to find ways to restrict it and limit it. It can't mean this. Surely it doesn't mean that. And uh, we might be prone to do that right off the bat, so to speak. Uh, Sinclair Ferguson observed that it's a, it's a bad sign if our immediate reaction is to think about what this does not mean, rather than to inquire into what it actually does mean. But I understand that instinct. And uh, given the prejudice that exists against this teaching of Scripture, and given the way it is misunderstood often, and given the way that it is often abused, yes, we need to give attention to what it does not mean, what is not intended by this language of Scripture. And it's quite necessary to give some focus to that. We intend to do that under our first point. But our first point uh, that we want to look at together is that uh, wives are here called to submit uh, to their own husbands. We look at the significance of that that language of covenantal mutual ownership that's really implied in this language. Wives are to submit to their own husbands in service to the Lord, in service to the Lord Jesus Christ. We hear that in the words, as to the Lord. Wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord. Now, we need to step back from this specific command and just give some attention to the fact that Christ is the center of every Christian marriage. And that means that Christ Jesus must be the most important person to each partner in a marriage together and to each one individually and personally. That means that the Lord Jesus Christ is the main source of happiness and stability and security for a Christian couple and for husbands particularly, and for wives particularly. And that means for both husbands and wives that you will neither demand nor expect from your spouse what only Christ can give. You know that people can enter into a marriage with unrealistic expectations, and we might even say idolatrous expectations, because they imagine that they're husband or their wife is just going to meet every need they have and to fill them up so that they're going to live happily ever after. And they're going to find all this in another person. And when people enter a marriage with that that kind of expectation, they are really doomed to bitter disappointment and perhaps deep resentment. Love for husband and wife must itself be centered upon Christ. Everything must be done for Jesus' sake. And that's true also of these relationships within the marriage. And that just is a theme that follows through the directives that are given to wives as it is the directives that are given to husbands. But that means, in connection with this passage before us, that the Christian wife's submission is service to Christ as to the Lord. And see, I think there can be a misunderstanding even as the even as to the meaning of those simple words. Wives, obey your husband as to the Lord. And wives might think, well, in a way, I have two lords. There's Jesus Christ over here, 
And then there's my husband over here. And I'm to obey my husband in the same way that I obey the Lord Jesus Christ. That's a big mistake. That's a wrong way of thinking about it. It's not as if wives have two lords and their obedience to their husbands is like their obedience to the Lord. No, no, no. Rather, godly wives in submitting to their husbands are ultimately submitting to the Lord Jesus. In that submission, it's for Jesus' sake. It's the Lord that looms large in their thinking and attitude with respect to submission to their husbands. It's not a matter of comparison. I obey the Lord and I obey my husband. No, you obey your husband in the service of the Lord Jesus. And what that means practically is that sometimes, and sadly it happens often, is when your husband uh, doesn't perhaps notice the ways in which you uh, serve the Lord Jesus Christ in your relationship to him. And uh, he, he doesn't uh, fully appreciate it for what it is. And uh, he doesn't show you uh, love as he should. Well, then you know and you remember that the Lord does. The Lord Jesus Christ does. He treasures and values uh, your loving obedience and service to him and your relationship to your husband. Ultimately, your reward is with him. And that also means that your motives for submission is not what you can get out of it. Like these directives to husbands and wives are not like bargaining chips. It's like, okay, I'll do my part. I'll submit you all day long. And then I'll wait and see how well you love me. Right? Or I'm going to really love my wife tomorrow. And then I'm going to see if she really responds the way she should in giving the kind of submission that I would like from her. No, that's that's uh, uh, very, very man-centered. And it uh, it removes the Lord Jesus Christ from the picture altogether. So this definition of submission, for one thing, it defines that the nature of that submission is in service to the Lord Jesus Christ, but it also limits it. And we must uh, be clear on what this submission does not mean. Again, because of the way it can be misunderstood, the way it can be abused. This submission does not mean being or believing that you're somehow inherently inferior uh, to your husband, that he's the more important person. No, here the teaching of Galatians 3, verse 28, indeed absolutely in applies. And that is, in Christ Jesus, there is neither male nor female. Not in terms of uh, the grounds of our acceptance in God's sight. In Jesus Christ, there is equality in terms of our spiritual life and our relationship to God. And that that equality also concerns our inherent uh, significance in God's sight as those made in his image. And the husband, husband doesn't occupy a more special relationship to God or any kind of uh, higher importance to God. That's not what this submission means. Either, either being or thinking or believing that you have some inherent inferiority uh, to men or to your husband as a woman or a wife. Secondly, submitting does not mean submitting to cruelty and harm done to your body or soul without protest, without recourse, without the conviction and the courage not to simply tolerate such mistreatment without doing anything about it, without getting help, 
without holding a husband accountable. Your Lord certainly doesn't demand that of you. It's not even loving to a husband to take such mistreatment and misbehavior. I had a conversation with a couple some time ago, no one from the congregation, so don't start thinking, I wonder who that would be. Uh, but uh, it was a case where the husband was drinking, and I mean drinking, drinking too much, drinking after work, drinking at home, drinking in secret, but it wasn't a secret. It wasn't a secret to his wife. It wasn't a secret to his family, but it went on for years and years, creating a lot of misery, a lot of silent suffering and shame, but also creating a situation that often develops in these kinds of circumstances where a wife silently suffers and deals with this bad behavior, but in a way also that doesn't bring it to some kind of a resolution and a crisis. And, and we can understand why, because a crisis, a confrontation, can mean major, major disruption. It can also mean uh, the end of a, of a comfortable lifestyle. It can mean the end of a good reputation before others. It can mean the end of a rather familiar routine, and so things are tolerated and tolerated and tolerated. But this was an instance in which uh, the wife came to realize that she must deal with it, she must address it, and be willing to face the consequences, whatever they are. And actually, in this instance, that, that brought about a, a resolution and repentance and, and reconciliation and real change. But it meant the godly courage of a wife that says, no, 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 the Lord doesn't call me to tolerate this. And it's also true that when we're sinned against, our tendency is to respond in ways that are not right and good. You know, psychologists call it codependency, where spouses sometimes become enablers to bad behavior. But we must not think that submission involves that kind of a situation. And that's also the case if the husband would demand silence and say, no, I'm the head of the house. You keep that within the family. It's between us. No, no, no. That's not what submission means. It doesn't mean doing wrong or sharing in sin in order to cover up sin. In, in this instance, God's will is clear. We hear it in the words of the apostles who are commanded not to preach and teach in the name of Jesus. And if they listened to these earthly authorities, it would be in direct contradiction to the authority of the Lord Jesus Christ. In which case they said, no, we must obey God rather than man. And if a husband would play the authority card in such a way as to require his wife to sin, to share in sin, no, the, the case is clear. Wives are submit to their, their husbands in all things lawful, right? That's the way the, the, the old marriage form put it. In all things that are according to God's word, is the way it's also stated. So submission does not mean these things. Nor does submission mean always agreeing with your husband. As if you disagree or voice that disagreement, that's somehow being unsubmissive. Ordinarily, ideally, I think naturally, most husbands and wives in a Christian marriage, they, they work things out. They debate. They deliberate. They argue sometimes. They should do it respectfully. But when it comes down to a decision that must be made and the husband takes responsibility and to make, to make that decision, submission doesn't mean that you necessarily agree with it and see it as the wisest and the best decision. You probably heard me say it before. I think I got it from a professor at seminary that says disagreement is the test of submission. If there's no disagreement, well, that's just agreement. But when you disagree, 
with an authority, and yet you submit, if it doesn't involve you directly in sin, well, that can be part of submission, but it doesn't mean giving up your opinion and your mind. It also means recognizing the husband's responsibility for such decision, and it also means trusting in God to shepherd your husband and lead him also, and that should give peace to Christian wives who think their husband's making a mistake. You have to trust the Lord also to bless a gentle and quiet spirit, which is precious in the eyes of God. I'm using the language here of of 1 Peter 3 that describes the situation of uh, a Christian wife married to an unbeliever who is called to submit to him, be submissive to your own husbands, that even if they some do not obey the word, they without a word may be won by the conduct of their wives when they observe your chaste conduct accompanied by fear. And then, And then he speaks of the kind of adornment that is most important and precious. And that is the hidden person of the heart with an incorruptible beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit, which is very precious in the sight of God. Now, this submission that we're describing here, that's a matter of faith, isn't it? This submission that views the Lord Jesus Christ as the one whom we serve and whom we obey according to his appointment, according to his uh, the structures of life that God has ordained, that involves an outlook of faith. And that kind of faith also bears witness. It tells husbands, for one thing, that their wife's loyalty is to Christ. And for a Christian husband, this motivates responsibility and loving leadership. For a conscientious Chris- Christian husband, when a wife shows that willingness to follow his lead, that tends to get him thinking. All right, He might be debating with his wife over a given point and holding fast to his opinion, and then when the wife says, okay, honey, I disagree with you, but I recognize that uh, you're the head of the household, and I'll, I'll go with your decision. And then he goes, hmm, maybe I'll rethink that a little bit. Because the competition is over, and the responsibility is his. And he might uh, do on this instance what God told Abraham. He said, listen to your wife. Maybe the wise thing to do. But the husband then knows that his wife is not in competition with him, nor is, is she his servant. She's a daughter of the king. And this is a testimony also to the world in which we live. And such faith can keep shining. Such faith can keep shining even when things go bad. And sometimes things go very bad for Christian wives. I spoke to an elderly lady some time ago, and... uh someone whom I see as a model of Christian grace and maturity and wisdom, I said, tell me about your family. Tell me about your dad. And, you know, my expectation was she's going to describe this this home uh, of mom and dad living in spiritual harmony, raising their children in the fear of God. She said, oh, my dad left us when I was nine years old for another woman, moved to another country, never saw him again. But she says, you know, my mom... She didn't show bitterness towards him, but she taught us. She taught us to to pray for him, to pray for him every night. And she remembers what an impact that had upon her. Did he come back? Did the Lord hear those prayers? No, no happy ending in that way. But she and all her brothers and sisters are Christians. They're believers. And that that gracious response of a woman who put Christ first in her life, whose life was not destroyed, by the unfaithfulness of a husband was a powerful testimony to grace and no doubt a factor in the the faith and life of her children. 
Wives submit to their husbands in service to Christ. Secondly, wives submit according to the pattern of the church. Verse 24, Therefore, just as the church is subject to Christ, so let the wives be to their own husbands in everything. In everything? Without qualification? No, no, we already considered those those qualifications that are based on teaching of Scripture. But it might sound that this verse just kind of goes too far. Well, no, it doesn't go too far, but it does discourage a kind of attitude to which we are all inclined. And that is, well, how much submission uh, must I observe? How much can I get by with, right? Wives are to submit to their husbands as Christ does to the church. But sadly, very often the church, that is us members of the church in particular, often do not submit to our Lord with that wholehearted consecration. But we cut corners and we try to protect our turf. And we're inclined to kind of hedge and qualify and restrict and limit our submission to our master. Because that's a tendency of our hearts, right? As sinners, who are inclined to all kinds of rebellion and self-will. We don't like to submit even to the Lord. So the first thing about this submission, apart from details, has a lot to do with attitude, doesn't it? Christian wives do well to start by, by asking themselves the question, do I want to submit to my husband? Do I want to do so for Jesus' sake? Do I want to do so because this is the will of God as revealed in Scripture. You see, where there is the desire, well, then the details often become clear. But is it a real desire? Are these the kinds of things that lead you Christian wives to take an interest in Bible study where such a subject is addressed? And to value the serious conversation of of your, your sisters in the Lord, other wives and mothers, to discuss together what does this really mean? Not not in a spirit of, you know, you kind of can imagine the kind of spirit I could talk about here, but with a sincere endeavor to know what, what does the Bible actually mean? What does it teach with respect to what this actually translates to in our relationships? Is it something that you make a matter of prayer? The attitude is first, not a list of rules, not uh, a, a bunch of, detailed directions. You know, that's sometimes what people want from ministers. Give me a long list of details. Give me specific directions and examples. Tell me how to do it. Well, the Holy Spirit can uh, direct conscientious Christians to a large extent in their own circumstances. And actually, to be honest, and you know it yourself, that in, in a variety of different uh, Christian marriages, Sometimes submission looks different from one couple to the next in terms of the way it, it actually appears and the way they relate to each other in the division of labor, you might say, in the household or who does this, who mows the lawn, who, you know, understand what I'm saying? Couples work this out. There's no script. As to specifics, let me say only two things. And the first is this, that a big part of it is a matter of Christian wives aiming to fulfill the kinds of roles and priorities that the Bible gives when it either gives specific directives or descriptions of what it means to be a godly wife. I, I just alluded to um, Titus chapter 2 where 
direct, directions are given to Titus uh, to, to pass on to the older women in the church uh, to teach the younger women to love their husbands, to love their children, to be discreet, chaste, homemakers, good, obedient to their own husbands, that the word of God may not be blasphemed. Let me, let me try to uh, illustrate this by a comparison. When a husband diligently, with self-denial and perseverance and faithfulness, provides for his wife, for his children, he works hard, he's conscientious about it, he makes sure that they're cared for, he makes sure that they're safe, he's concerned with their comfort, with their happiness in these ways. And he does so with a Christ-like attention and kindness. Well, how do wives feel when they receive this kind of attentive, diligent, faithful conduct from their husbands, providing for their physical needs? They feel loved. Is that fair to say? They feel loved? Now, what about husbands? When wives... uh provide for them and, and care for them in the form of um, fixing food for them, cleaning their clothes, uh, manning, managing the household affairs, and doing that cheerfully, how does that make husbands feel, feel? Does it make them feel cherished? Perhaps an accurate, a more accurate description would be it makes them feel respected, it makes them feel honored by their wives. So it's like the same kind of behavior in different forms has different effects and in a way it has different qualities and results, but they're very similar. But in both instances, it's by seeking to conform to the priorities that the Word of God gives to us with respect to our roles and relationships. That goes a long way. I read Proverbs 31. And I know there's all kinds of cultural details there that don't seem to connect very directly, but, but what you have here is a description of a woman. She's, she's diligent. She works hard. She's pretty creative and industrious. She's generous. She's kind. She looks after herself. And these activities seem to be centered around home and family. She's trustworthy. Her husband has Complete confidence in her. Now, a passage like that, again, there are many details that seem to be quite culturally limited and specific. But a passage like that, do you read a passage like that and find it to be aspirational? In the sense that, yeah, this is a description of the kinds of things that I, that I aspire to. In terms of the kinds of things I just described as, as a summary. Is it inspirational? It ought to be. Because that's why it's given to us in God's Word. To teach us the qualities of a, of a virtuous woman, a godly woman, who expresses that even in the words she speaks. Wisdom, a law of kindness is upon her lips. So it's a kind of description that should be aspirational, motivational to Christian wives. And so again, in terms of the first thing, uh, it's a matter of aiming to fulfill the kinds of roles and priorities that the Word of God gives. Much more could be said on that. But the second thing that I want to say, and that is that the details often are best learned from the godly example and teaching of others. 
you know, I, I've experienced the difficulty of describing what it means for wives to submit to, to their husbands in detail because I, I think that in Christian, in a Christian culture, a church culture in Christian homes where these things have been observed, in a way it's kind of invisible. And, and Christian, um, young people, they, they absorb it. And if they are centered upon Christ, the, the details are worked out in their lives. It doesn't require a rule book. But again, the Bible directs us to the importance of, of the, the teaching of older women. And so I would say, especially if this teaching is rather new to you, maybe you're new to the Christian faith, you want to follow the scripture, what does it look like? Don't be afraid to ask some of the older ladies. Don't be afraid to observe them, to imitate them. When you see conduct that reflects mature Christian womanhood, what it means to be a godly wife. That's also a challenge for the older women among, among us, among us to be ready to share their insights. Uh, because, uh, some people, especially that may be new to the faith, they need help and they can greatly value some practical help and guidance. Don't be afraid. Do it kindly. It might be very beneficial to them. In closing, let me just say that, uh, that the desire or the choice to submit to husbands, as the Lord uh, teaches us, comes before the words, I do. You know, sometimes in my, in my pre-marriage counseling, I'll ask, uh, uh, the young ladies, is this the kind of man that you could promise to submit to because you're confident that Christ is first in his life? Are you confident that he will exercise his headship and his responsibility in a loving, caring way. If not, don't just blindly go through with it. Because you want to marry, you want to be married, you want a husband, and there's a lot of attractive things about this guy. Are you sure that Christ is first in his life and that he will exercise his responsibility and calling in a Christ-like way? Is he someone that you can trust to be a spiritual leader in the home? You know that some women, some girls remain attractive to bad boys, to bad men. No, that's not just the fault of women. A lot of men are attracted to worldly girls. Sometimes professing Christians are attracted to bad girls because we're sinful and bring a world of misery on us. In any case, submitting uh, to God's word, submitting within the context of God's ordained appointment and authority, that involves self-denial, right? Because that's uh, a characteristic of the Christian life, whether we're husbands or wives or children, to bring our wills into line with the will of our master, that requires self-denial in these relationships. But that doesn't mean that it means misery. That doesn't mean that it means harm. That doesn't mean that it means pain. But it can be very difficult for for Christian wives to find themselves married to a man who's quite ungracious, who doesn't serve and honor the Lord. You want to avoid that. You want to marry in the Lord. That's the first consideration when it comes to Christian uh, women, the prospect of marriage. The choice and the desire to follow God's word, to submit to his wisdom, comes before you say, I do. And may that also then help and direct you in uh, the way you give priorities to a Christ-centered marriage. Amen.